What's up, everyone? Tyler Tambaline here, a.k.a. Toe and Tambo, back for another edition, and this is a free edition, so we'll get a lot more eyes on it this week to see the lineup HQ MME show and a little bit of a different spin on it this week. Normally, I'm looking at DraftKings and DraftKings pricing with a, a special guest, and I definitely have a special guest who we'll get to in a second, but first off, uh, this week, we're going to be looking at FanDuel. We've got some promotions going on. We're celebrating the 10-year anniversary for Roto-Grinders. I made the joke last night. I'm not quite at 10 weeks yet, but I have someone with me who has been here for a lot longer than 10 weeks, Mr. Justin Van Zuden, STL Cards 84. What's happening, Justin? Yeah, I haven't been here the full 10 years, but uh, fairly close, about 75% of it. So uh, kudos to those that have been along for the ride. And uh, it's pretty cool. 10 years flies by. It's, uh, it's amazing. Our oldest son just turned 10. So um, it, it's crazy how much time flies. And, uh, and you know, if I would have uh, thought I'd be talking about 10 years of DFS uh, when it first started, it's just, it's hard to believe. But uh, we're, we're celebrating this week, lots of promos and free stuff uh, here at Roto Grinders, including this show. So uh, hopefully we can give some good tips to the people and, uh, and, you know, convince some people that, uh, that our premium content uh, really is worth checking out in the, in the long run. Yeah, it speaks to the community at Roto Grinders, you know, the people I'm super proud to be a part of it now, obviously, you know, jumping on board, you know, I'm like I said, less than 10 weeks, but looking to be in it for the long run, cheers to the next 10 years. And like you said, a lot of good stuff going on this week because of that. We've got a 5k PGA free roll on FanDuel, which we're about to get into here. There's going to be prizes, you know, limited edition RG t-shirt, you can put in up to 150 lineups at no cost. So uh, the other thing that comes with that and what we're going to use is Lineup HQ, which is a phenomenal tool. And I don't think as many people know about it. Even people that are premium members at Roto-Grinders know it exists, but they maybe don't know. And we get a lot of questions on the forums and in the Discord about, you know, how do we actually utilize that tool? What are the settings, parameters, constraints that we might be putting on these lineups when we're trying to put in such a mass number of lineups with 150? So, uh, you know, it's also a good call for the week where everyone says, well, if I had 150, Watch what would happen. No shots here. Just yeah. saying, uh, this is going to be a good chance for everybody to get their fix and get their 150 lineups in. So just want to show everyone first off here, I've got the main screen up. I'm on just rotogrinders.com. When you get to it, what you're looking for, in case you've never been before, it's right in the top left. We're featuring it. You're going to lineup HQ. You're going into golf. And then at the top, you're just adjusting it. I've already got it set for FanDuel here. So I can get out of my other one. I thought it might load DK automatically, but you, you just are setting it here. If for some reason it does come up, DraftKings, you're just clicking FanDuel PGA, making sure it's on the memorial as it is. There is no other slates available yet. Dates are set. And here we are. So uh, if you're not familiar with it, we list, you know, there's core plays, premium filters. So if you want to know cards this week and who he's on just out of the gate, boom, there, there's his four plays. You can un unselect him or, or uncheck him and then go to myself. And there's my four plays. You can see where they match up at and who we're on. There's certain player blurbs for each of them. But we did the show last night, Justin, and we talked about a lot of what we like and dislike already. But I'll start with this, just because before we get into actually how the tool uses, talk to me a little bit about the differences. I, I thought that, you know, this would be a good show. I do mass amounts of volume on DraftKings, especially in comparison to FanDuel. I get the you know, concept of normally a little bit more softer pricing and we'll get into what that means, but maybe just tell me off the top what some of the differences are to you and how you then utilize it to, to go after being able to get to the top of one of these large field GPPs. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a little bit different um, on FanDuel and the differences have kind of narrowed a bit. Uh, when FanDuel first launched their golf product, their salary cap was really, really soft and you would see, you know, the five or six highest, uh, price players would be, you know, 50% owned uh, most weeks if, if, you know, they were in good spots. And uh, it, it made it really, really easy to build lineups, but you also got a lot of overlap in the larger field tournaments. And over the course of the last eight months or so, FanDuel has slowly tightened up their pricing a little bit. I think it plays a little bit uh, similar to DraftKings now still tends to be a little bit more of a tendency to go stars and scrubs on FanDuel. I don't know if that's because people are, are used to, to the fact that it, you know, it used to be a soft salary cap. Uh, but on, on a percentage basis, it feels like, uh, you know, if you got, okay, 10 K is kind of your high threshold on DraftKings or maybe 10 five. Well, FanDuel seems to go up to like 12 K that's about $1,500 higher um, and then, you know, on the low end, you're only getting down to about 7K, whereas DraftKings goes down to six. So the salary distribution is a little bit narrower on FanDuel. 
um, because of, of how they work their pricing. It's really difficult to explain and it's easier once you go in and build lineups. But if you look at, say, our ownership comparisons for FanDuel and DraftKings, that's where you're going to start to notice that, you know, people do tend to build lineups a little bit differently, right? We've got Bryson at 31% projected ownership on FanDuel. He's 17 on DraftKings. Yeah. Um, we've got Justin Thomas at uh, at 25 on FanDuel and he's 15 on DraftKings. So you're going to see that a lot with the higher end golfers. They're going to be 8, 10, 12% higher owned on FanDuel generally than DraftKings because people do have the tendency to go stars and scrubs with it a little bit more. So um, the balance build on FanDuel, I think, has some intrigue in tournaments if you're looking to be a little bit different. Uh, if you're looking to take down, you know, a top-heavy tournament, uh, I, I do think that that balance build on FanDuel is intriguing. So uh, that's one of the major differences. Otherwise, you know, the scoring is fairly similar. The setup is similar. You're picking six golfers. So it, it's not like if you haven't played FanDuel golf before, you can't just jump right in. You certainly could could pick it up, you know, without any previous knowledge of their of their program specifically right and yeah so that's a, a great breakdown and we're gonna you know go through some of these things i guess first off with the tool i just want to show people a, a couple items because you just mentioned one of them i when you were talking there midstream I, I i moved it to percentage ownership and i just clicked on this button to sort it by ownership kind of point out to to a second opinion of what you just said is like look at morikawa 11.3k and he's still one of the top 10 ownership guys on FanDuel versus definitely going overlooked on a site like DraftKings, which we talked about last night. So you can see all these guys, only one of them, Abe Answer at 9.9K is not in the five-figure range. So like you said, it's definitely more leaned towards stars and scrubs. You know, the guys like Bryson at the very top where maybe it's harder to make builds with him on DraftKings. Over here, people just think that you might as well just have him in there since he's the top price best in the world now everyone think you know all that sort of stuff that they're putting in so uh that's one thing i'll point to you've got your fantasy point projections here right beside it to the left you've got the points per dollar so sort of the value ratings which you can also sort by all of these so this goes to show like let's say von taylor down here he's showing up as a pretty good value we'll, we'll talk about some of that stuff as we go through it but i just think that's a way to look at it and then you could see that the lineup builder is probably going to use these using our projections if you're not swapping them to some of your own. And in this case, for this week, for maybe the free tournament, the free roll, you may just want to use what's here. So that will show up. It's got Notorious's ratings. It's got some cut probabilities, win, top five, top 10, top 20. And then newly added, and we'll save this for the end, uh, but I think the cool part is, is that you, we actually have tee times. So take a break here from lineup, lineup HQ. You can see that all the tee times are in here for round one and round two. You can sort by who's going out late and who's going out early. But let's talk real quick, Justin, since last night, a little bit of a, a wave advantage conversation going on. Now, whether it's true or false, I'm not 100% sure. But what are your thoughts this week for the Memorial when it comes down to AM, PM wave having an advantage over PM, AM because of some of the wins that are talked about being coming up here? Yeah, I mean, Friday, it seems like it's going to be low winds all day. The biggest issue will be Thursday. So tomorrow, the first day of the tournament. And if I'm looking right now, 7 a.m., uh, 8 miles an hour, 10 a.m., 11 miles an hour, uh, 1 p.m., 14 miles an hour, 4 p.m., 15 miles an hour. So uh, we're talking a 7 or 8 mile an hour difference in winds between morning and afternoon and perhaps a 10, uh, 10 to 12 mile an hour difference in wind gusts, uh, mm -hmm. which is it's probably enough to sway the scoring by three quarters of a stroke. Uh, maybe a full stroke if it gets bad. It's not going to be a two or three stroke difference. Uh, but I do think the guys playing tomorrow morning have uh, have a potentially, you know, half a stroke to a full stroke edge. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem becomes if there's rain. Uh, there's about a 50-50 chance of thunderstorms throughout the morning hours till about 2 o'clock. Uh, so as we saw last week, if it storms, then, you know, uh, the golfers that were out in the morning might have to go back out and finish in the worst of the wind. You just don't, you don't know for sure um, if it's going to storm or not. So that throws a wrench into the plans. Uh, so I don't think you absolutely have to go and say, well, I'm only going to play guys that are playing Thursday morning because they're in, you know, seven to 10 mile an hour wind differences. What I would do is make, uh, if you're building 150 lineups, you better be making 20 or 30 lineups that have just morning golfers in it. Because if it does come to fruition, uh, then, you know, you've got a big leg up if, you're, if your morning golfers play well. So uh, single entry, I probably wouldn't worry about it a whole lot. Um, I would maybe take it into consideration for a tiebreaker. 
Um, and, you know, I've kind of done that with a few of my builds. I had Ricky Fowler in my GPP article. Uh, this is probably for the better, uh, but Ricky Fowler plays in the afternoon on Thursday and with his kind of hit or miss ways, uh, that was enough to kind of get me off of Ricky Fowler. If you've read my GPP article, I'm going to update that here after we get done uh, taping. So I've swapped Fowler for, uh, for answer, uh, which based on the stats is the right move. So uh, we can go ahead and, and cash our winning uh, Ricky Fowler tickets now. But uh, I just think that in a tiebreaker scenario like that, similar players, uh, you can argue that answers maybe a better player at this stage. I'll take the guy that's playing in the morning. Yeah, certainly like that. And you hit on basically exactly what I was going to say. I might be a little bit more aggressive, but, and not just because it's a free roll, you guys can have some fun with it. I think that's sort of the, the play behind this and being able to get 150 in for free. I'll be duping all mine in and I'll, I'll be competing in it, but I'll also be duping them all into the other tournaments on FanDuel. So for me, I'll probably run something like 40 just because, uh, you know, I want to get a little bit aggressive. And one thing I'll talk about quickly when it comes to FanDuel and this wave advantage, if there was one, again, like Justin just nailed it. I don't think there's, you know, reason to go all in or anything like that by any means. It's not that big a difference. But one thing I'll note is on FanDuel to the point of what we just talked about earlier, where there's more, you know, pr propensity to go stars and scrubs is so high that people are wanting to do that, that they're not worrying about tee times at all. They're just fitting everybody possible they can. So Rory at the top, you saw, was getting a lot of ownership. He actually has an afternoon tee time. Now, guys like Rory and even Ricky, you just mentioned, can play in the wind. They've had success in the wind before. It could happen. They're some of the best players in the world. But what I was going to say is that when you do it this way, and essentially what you would do is you would just flip this round one to everybody that's this way, and you'd start Xing out. I'm not going to do it right now because this is more of an explanation portion before we get into going through the pool again quickly and bringing it down. But you would just X out of all of these guys until it was only morning guys available. What I would say, though, is let's say I build my 40 like that then I would probably build 10 out of just a little bit of, you know, to be contrarian and to what Justin said is what if it all flips because of the thunderstorms. I don't think this is what's going to happen. There's less a chance. Like you said, it's kind of 50-50 or even less, but it's just to have the other side of it. And then you still get 100 lineups of what you think is the best player pool, which we're going to get into now. So any, any thoughts on taking a little bit of the other side, Justin, or is that just a little bit too aggressive? No, that's, uh, that's a strategy too. I mean, you just, you, you don't know. Um, we, we had two delays last week and it kind of flipped on its head. So um, I, what I'm planning to do right now is maybe um, have 40% of my lineups be Thursday morning only and about 10% uh, be Thursday afternoon only, and then the other 50 uh, just have a, a mix uh, from my player pool. So that's kind of how I'm, I'm attacking it right now. Uh, gives me just, you know, it certainly gives me some leverage if, uh, if the scoring is better in the morning, but uh, I'm not, you know, completely dead in the water if it happens to, uh, to, do, a, to do a 360 or a 180 uh, yeah. turn there. So uh, that's kind of what I'm planning to do right now. 40% AM only, 10%. PM only 50%, uh, you know, just how I would normally build my lineups. Yeah. And just so, you know, everybody knows to make sure you're going to do it in three separate builds, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. And that's what I was kind of pointing out earlier. So it's just good to hit on the basics for everyone. So they know if they're doing it for the first time. I like that. That's a little bit even uh, more percentage wise is more aggressive than I was doing with my numbers of 40, 10 and hundred. So that that's solid. I do like that a lot. I think that's a good thing. And it'll really get you a feel for using lineup HQ this week when you get to try that out and do three separate builds and bring them in, bring them out. Just so you guys know, you can exclude all, you can include all. So once you X out of all those guys, we're making this a little bit more basic because we want you to know for the first time, once you exclude all those 2 PM guys and down and just get the morning guys, it's easy to bring them right back and include them all after you get through that first build. So I thought I would point that out. Now, how do you want to do this, Justin? We got 131 guys. We did spend a lot of time last evening going through some of them, but again, different show here now. Um, did you have any different, you know, opinions overnight or is, I guess last night we talked a lot more about DraftKings as well with Noto on with us. What's your, you know, take here at the top as far as FanDuel concern, con, is concerned? Is there anybody else that you would just automatically get rid of or are you trying just to sprinkle them throughout? Um, I mean, I don't love DJ at 11.5K. I just, uh, given his form and compared to the form of the other guys around him, he's just too expensive. Um, you know, and, and regardless of sight, he's probably going to be your lowest high-end option. So really the argument for him is low ownership. Uh, but, you know, I, it's just, it's hard for me to, to argue for him as the fifth best player in this field. 
uh, when you've got Rom, who had a great finish last week. Morikawa obviously just won on this course. Hovland a top five on this course. Uh, Webb Simpson could get up to be the number one golfer in the world. You know, if he plays well this week, you got Matsuyama in there, who's a good fit for this course. So all of yep. them cheaper than DJ. Um, you, you know, you kind of have to, and this is part of what's really hard, particularly if you're new to the sport, is all these guys are really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. But you can't play everybody. So, you know, DJ becomes a guy that uh, at that price, I, I just, I, I don't think he's got as much win equity as a player at 11.5K should have. So uh, he's probably the odd man out for me. Uh, and, you know, you can make another couple of cuts based on your personal preference, you know, maybe cut somebody out that plays in the afternoon. Uh, but uh, I, I don't, you know, have I think a it's Rory. strong disdain for anybody else. And that's fine. Yeah, if you're, you know, playing most of the other early golfers, uh, you got Rory and, and Rom would be the PMT times there. I, I do like Rom a good bit for tournaments uh, because we know he'll attack. And, uh, and that Sunday round last week was really encouraging. Uh, so, you know, if I had to pick one, I, I'd probably take the same path. Yeah. And like you said, you like a lot of the guys at the top. If I'm doing the, you know, AM only, I might still leave DJ in there or whatever, but because I believe he's uh, first thing in the morning, yeah, 8.17 AM. So I'm, I might do that, but for the sake of, you know, building it like this, like you mentioned. Now, let me ask you this, because we did the show a few weeks ago together, uh, one of my first shows actually, and it was awesome getting, you know, talking about the tighter pool. Do you run, first off, two questions, do you run the same sort of pool on FanDuel? Like, are you getting it down quite a ways? And secondly, how do you go about just getting rid of everyone out of the gate? Like, are we just going to switch this points per dollar and just look at who's really bad and let's immediately get rid of them? Is that a good place to start? So I'll let you go ahead with those couple questions and then we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean, the, the points per dollar, I don't necessarily like, but, well, when the, the real bad players you can, but um, mm-hmm. naturally the, the studs kind of get a low points per dollar just because it's the high base salary. Uh, so I usually sort by cut probability or by Noto's rating, either one, they're going to get you the, uh, you're going to be able to get the crappers out of there pretty quickly. So, um, you know, those are the ways you can, you can trim the, uh, the low end golfers a little bit. Yeah. It looks pretty easy for me here with these guys. Now, like I said, are you running, like what's your pool size generally on FanDuel if you're going to put 150 lineups in roughly? Yeah, it's probably going to be the same as what I would normally run on DraftKings. So probably in the twenties, um, not comfortable going a whole lot lower than that right now. There, there still is a little bit of uncertainty out there. Uh, so, you know, I'm probably in that 20 to 25 range. Okay. So we got a lot to go here and I'm with you. I, I like the strategy. So now I've got it down. Now, when you mentioned do it by cut probability, how, how much further will you go? Like, what's your sort of cutoff here? Do you have a number in mind when you're doing this? Um, cause you start to get the reason I asked yeah, you start no, to get these names, get a, right? Yeah. You start to get a reasonable place there. I mean, I usually, I usually would probably stop there. Um, okay. And then, you know, then maybe you sort by get the lowest of the percent owned players. And, you know, obviously guys who are 0.1 or 0.2 are usually there for a reason. And uh, not that you can't pick out a player or two that you want to throw in at 5% in your GPP builds. Yeah. Um, I, I do like this strategy. Like so far I'm seeing guys that like I don't want, and it still lines up. They're still around the 45, 55%. They're, like you said, if you want to take some stands and you're a Luke List truther, he's a late ad, and you think that's the you know, low ownership for that reason, one on the Corn Ferry Tour recently, by all means, go ahead. It's not for me. But like you said, this would be a good way to look at it. And again, to your point cards, people may have their favorites and can get them in there. I'm just going off what I'm thinking, seeing these guys at first glance. Uh, you know, maybe I'll leave Von Taylor just because, you know, he's popping in a few places. Doesn't really have Noto's rating, but if you look at the cut probability versus everybody around him down here in this price range, the fact that he's only 7.3 and the projections are liking him, maybe he's the one guy, let's say that I leave here. And then let me just keep getting rid of some of these guys. I know you're not going to be crazy on a lot of these names. If there's anyone that stands out that you love, then, then let me know. We talked about Ryan Moore last night, not being, you know, super excited about that. Tyler Duncan, uh, you know, TJL5124, so TJ Lasik, I had him on the other day. He's got Tyler Duncan in here as a value play. Anything, anything you can see with that, not to up or down his play. I was just curious what your thoughts are because I've had a little bit of interest even on DraftKings at 6.3 as maybe that one-off value filler. But what's your thoughts on Tyler Duncan this week here in this range? Yeah, I think he's all right. You know, I, there's some potential there. I'd maybe play him over a, a – a trendier pick um, in that range. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think you have to, but uh, if, 
And nobody's going to be super chalky in here, but if you're looking to get off of somebody like Norlander, who people will know from last week, I don't think Tyler Duncan is a bad play. Um, I asked Dan Bach this morning for his uh, punt de jour. He usually likes to uh, to just give a punt de jour. And when I'm on, you know, the show, I said I'll uh, I'll throw your pick out there. And he likes Hao Tong Lee this week, um, who is probably pretty close. I didn't look up his Fanduel salary. Seven seven point six. I'm gonna add him back in for Dan. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm uh, passing no judgment for or against the pick. I did do a double take uh, when I saw him in the field. We haven't seen him in the states uh, for for a, for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, Dan said he read something on him being in uh, the best shape of his life and whatnot. And we know he's got some talent. I mean, he's <laughs> contended in some majors before. So again, yeah. these are the guys that if you've got a strong take, uh, you can play some Hao Tong Lee, you can play some Tyler Duncan, you can play some. Uh, you can play some Norlander, some Mark Hubbard, the guys that have maybe been making a few more cuts over the last few weeks. Uh, and it doesn't take much to get overweight on those guys. What you have to avoid, and this is what we talked about the last time I was on, uh, is trying to take 10 value guys and playing 5% of all of them because then you know, the likelihood that everything matches up with them being on your best lineup is pretty small. So if you've got two value guys that you like at, and you're going to play them both at 5%, Try to pick the one you like better and play them at 10% or 12% instead to give yourself a little bit more leverage if that pick pans out. Uh, not that yeah. you can't play a few guys at you know a super low percentage, but that's how you end up uh, playing 5 6% of all those guys is how you end up with like 70 golfers in your player pool. And yeah. that just doesn't make sense. That, that's been the challenge. We talked about that last time. So I think you got that right. You know, we'll get to that. And I think that's might be the next step I'm going to go to. I just want to show off quickly uh, for those that don't know and what I just did here. This is just for Dan. I mean, I don't hate it. Like you say, how Tong Lee has, has shown up at times. It would be a, a good little flyer to have in your lineups. I don't think he's going to pop. If you look here though, guys, just so you guys know sort of how the tool works is it is when you're using the projections that are built in, it is going to optimize quite a bit off of what the value of said person or guy in this case is. So if you wanted to make sure you at least got some Hao Tong Lee in your lineup when you're going through, this min exposure and max exposure column is really valuable, even more so later, which we'll show you. But if you are just spinning through, and I think it was you, Justin, that showed me this last time, just to make a quick mental note, is look, Hao Tong Lee's probably not going to show up in a lot when you've got Von Taylor right there popping with 52 fantasy points versus 34.95 for Hao Tong Lee. But you can just say, look, I just want 5%. You know, I'm going to listen to Justin. We're still going to get this thing down to 35 guys or so, maybe less, but I do want to have a little bit of Houtong. I am going to make that stand this week and get some of him into my lineups. That's how you would set that up, and you can adjust it later. So I think what I'll do now is I'll go by salary, and is that, you know, another way? So we're still at 79 here. I want to get down further, of course. You mentioned a second ago about being able to look and not have too many value plays. What better way to start you know, mowing through these guys and getting them down than to just sort by that value price range now? And we start here now at 7.2K with Stuart Sink. So how would you go about now getting rid of more of these guys? Because we definitely don't need all of them. Is it just personal preference or do you have a way that you'd look at some of the numbers in lineup HQ? Um, I mean, it's a little bit of personal preference. Um, Sink was, what, top 25 last week. Uh, not that I think he's going to pull that again but uh, if there's guys that are in bad form uh, this is not you know just uh, another run-of-the-mill tournament I mean we've got a yeah. super strong field this week uh, we've got a course that's going to be tricked up and playing a little bit more difficult with faster greens and higher rough uh, they just played this course last week so if there's guys who are struggling uh, it, it, those are the first guys that are going to be out I've tried to make Neesmith a thing his last couple events he's been terrible that's yeah. a no thanks for me um, you know, Munoz has been very hit or miss. I just, those two guys, I worry about the form a little bit. Uh, so I probably won't be playing them this week. So those are the guys that I would, I would X out, uh, would be the guys that, you know, maybe have two or three missed cuts in a row. This probably isn't the spot for you to find something. Agreed. And one thing I was just going to say that I, I kind of look at just so, you know, a little bit of perspective for me, like I said, I don't mass enter all the time on FanDuel, but the idea behind this is, you know, a learning experience for everybody. And I think, you know, I look at a couple other things. They're all going to, the one thing I do want to note is they're all going to be extremely low owned. Like nobody here, even sync showing at 3.2, we'll, we'll see if that actually hits or not. But the point is, is they're all going to be low owned. So if you look at Neesmith, he was going to be my example. He's not really popping in the projections. The ownership doesn't really matter because they're all low owned. He's got the lowest by far for the cut probability. So that would be an example where, like I say, if you did want some Munoz, 
you could go ahead. But if you look at the same thing with Munoz, look at the Von Taylor. We've already talked about him. So I would have got rid of Munoz and Neesmith because of that. Probably not, you know, Carlos Ortiz is what he is. He's kind of, you know, reminds me of Munoz and Neesmith where maybe in like a softer field or a little bit easier course, a, a birdie fest, so to speak. But, I, you know, I don't really think you need something like that. We've got our couple other guys in there and how Tong uh, going up the board here now, what's next? So what, what do you see here when we get to 7.7K up to 7.9K to round out the range? How many more should we get rid of? A lot, probably. Um, yeah, I think so too. You know, Grace on a par 72, sometimes he's all, uh, Grace is pretty easy X for me. Yep. Um, I'm not a Grillo guy right now. I know some people still like him and don't mind taking a few percentages of him. That's fine. If you want to do it, go ahead. Uh, I'm not a Grillo guy. Uh, Lanto Griffin, I mean, again, I don't have anything really strong for or against him, but in a strong field. Uh, I do like Gooch a good bit. Uh, you know, Gooch had missed three cuts in a row coming out of the break, and, and uh, everyone was a little bit concerned. Well, it turns out that he was trying to play through a back injury. So he took a week mm -hmm. off, uh, came back last week, and had a really solid finish here. So uh, I do wish he was playing in the morning tomorrow uh, on Thursday. He's not, but uh, he's still going to be in my GPP pool for sure. Um, so Gooch, I keep in there. I know Noto likes Furick. Yeah. Um, I'm indifferent on him. So if you want to play him, you can leave him in there. Uh, and then, you know, it's all uh, maybe you knock, knock out a couple more of those guys, uh, Collie, Norlander, Nick Taylor, Zach Johnson, whoever your kind of least favorites are out of those, those four. Yeah. Guys. The couple guys that I'm off here that I'm going to pop out. One is Norlander. You know, I know it's only 4.7. Like I said, these don't really matter to me. Like it's, you will like them or you don't, but right. one that I'm not, I'm not going to be chasing. I know that it's been, you know, strong T degree T to green game and everything that goes with it. But for me, there's just other plays here. I'm with Noto kind of, and with you. I, I like Furyk and Gooch a lot more. I don't mind Kali, and because there's, you know, there's only really one guy, it'll make for some different builds at 7.7 when I get rid of Norlander. And I'm not really high on Nick Taylor, Zach Johnson. Uh, you know, I'll get your take on Merritt in a second, and we'll go up from there. But let's move on to this next range. So, you know, Merritt, McNeely, Rogers, Bazudenhout. Reevee, Steele, Domin, and Homa. We'll save Domin until the end. Domin and Homa, we both got stories on that. But what are you doing here with Merritt down to Reevee? Because there's a couple guys in here I really like. But what, what's your thoughts in this range? Um, wow, Merritt's a chalk in that range, relatively speaking, I guess. Looks like it. <laughs> Rogers tends to spray it off the tee with the rough being higher this week. That's a no for me. Um, I, I like Patrick Rogers. I'm kind of a... Uh, a bit of a, a, a truther, you know, since the, since he first came out of the tour, but uh, hasn't straightened it out as much off the tee as I would like. So that's a no. Um, I do like Brendan Steele this week. He's a guy that I kind of got on a little bit uh, just today doing a little bit more research. He's got an early tee time tomorrow. Uh, and if you look at his numbers from last week, he gained eight strokes from tee to green and lost almost eight strokes putting. Oh, yeah. um, I know, you know, sometimes it can be an adventure for him on the greens, but I will take the under on him losing eight strokes with the putter again in four rounds. So um, I think Steele is fine as an AM waiver, especially if you're stacking that wave to get a value. Uh, so he's a guy that I, I didn't think I was going to be on, uh, but I have ended up on Steele a little bit. Uh, Damon, I can't do it. Uh, he lost <laughs> a billion strokes from tee to green last mm -hmm. week. Uh, I know – Maybe it's a different conversation. He is really cheap on FanDuel. 8,300 is pretty cheap over there. Um, but uh, you can see the afternoon tea time there. And last week was such a disaster that I just don't think I can. So I'm with uh, you there. That's an easy one for me. So I'll take him out. Uh, and I don't have strong takes on uh, a lot of the other guys. Uh, Bazudenhout's a late tea time. I mean, those are the same things. And in, in, in I'd probably take out the later tea times if I had to, uh, if I had yeah. to, you know, tie break. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave Reevee in. I, I, like, I like getting rid of the other two, McNeely, Bazudenhout. Again, talents have upside at times, but like you said, a little bit, I don't mind leaving Reevee. I know you like steel. You know, I kind of like home, but the problem is I find this is where I run into it. And it's just good for, you know, us to talk through it with me sort of learning from you at the same time, just your thought process is I feel like for whatever reason, my first thought is I can't have three 8.3 K guys. So is that a thing or what's your opinion on that? Because it just feels like too many, like kind of pick one or pick maybe two at most and then go up. But this is where, this is how the pool stays expanded when you just can't make these cuts, right? You know, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, it's, it's 
comes to, down to making tough decisions, I mean, you can basically you have to look at it from the likelihood of, hey, if I don't play this guy, what's the likelihood that I'm really going to regret it? it? Are you really going to regret not playing, you know, Troy Merritt? What are his odds? Well, you can see his odds are top 10 and about 6%. Um, again, I, I don't have a lot against him. Uh, he did sign yeah. a hat. He signed a hat for my kid a couple years ago. So uh, I'm a fan, I guess, of, of Merritt. But uh, but they do say nice guys finish last. Nice so guys finish last. That's right. He's a, he's a nice guy, but that's not so, going to do it. So let's get rid of him. Yeah, now – I think you just go from there and let's see. Let's yeah, see I, I think I'm go. also going to get rid of Reevy. And the only reason I say that is it's not just the tee time. That's the one factor. But the other thing is you can get Reevy over on DraftKings for 6.7K, which makes a lot of lineups work. So if you've got some Reevy love, I, I don't mind that. And like you said, I'm with you on Steel. Uh, a big talking point on last week's round four showdown show, which if you guys aren't with Roto-Grinders yet on the premium core, that's something that I do every Saturday evening going through Sunday round four showdown. And that was a topic of discussion because – like you said, everything was on but the putter. It's a bit of an adventure with them, to your point, but it's always a, a fun adventure, I find. So I don't mind doing that, and I will go back to Homa this week and, and just settle with having two guys here and see how it shakes out in the end because morning tea time, he's talked about a lot. He has a podcast that he does. He's gone on and said, you know, he, he went on Twitter and had a little bit of a rant where he was definitely being sarcastic, but he's so sorry about your six out of six lineups. But he wants to be there when he, when he does make the cut and get through. He normally has pretty good upside, actually, over the weekends, can score, can stick with it. And he's, you know, a winner on tour. And for the, you know, the price, he only missed by the, the, on the number last week. So I'm, I'm going to leave him and we'll jump into this next range. I'll, I'll start it off. So not really big on Brian Harmon myself. If you're on him, I understand it, Cards, but I'm just going to go through the guys I like nope. and dislike. You can cross him off. Yeah, I'm crossing him off. Uh, Todd is sort of the same for me, not really feeling it. Uh, Straka, I get it. If you want to leave them in your AM pools, I understand, but I personally like Keegan Bradley better. So I'm just going to do that. I, I want the longer term caliber guy. And now we get to a, a few interesting ones. Uh, you know, I'm not as big on JT Poston. I've seen a little bit of talk. He's got the morning tea time, but I'm just going to move him out to have this discussion because here's where it gets really interesting with everything. Hopefully you can see cards from Keegan Bradley down to Nah. We've got Bradley, who's already polarizing every week. You got Harold Varner, who, you know, didn't show up for anyone as chalk last week. Louie, Phil, maybe they show up, maybe they don't. We all seem to like a little bit of Glover, yourself included. I didn't have him as conviction, but he's next in line for me as a conviction. And then Willett's getting some love. Scheffler has been getting love back and forth the past few weeks. And Kevin, nah, you never know what's going to happen with him. So maybe don't name every single one, but just what's your thoughts on this range as guys that maybe you don't like versus ones that stand out? Yeah, whenever Kevin Na is coming off a withdraw, uh, he walked off the course with a back injury his last time out. I just I don't play him. Um, it uh, you know it burned me the one time when he won, but uh, he just there's too much downside risk with him, uh, particularly with with a back injury with rain in the forecast tomorrow. Um, I, I just I can't play Kevin Na. I never played Danny Willett, uh, so he's off the list for me. Um, Phil right now, I mean, I know he had that uh, week where he turned back the clock. He was playing with Bryson. He was playing with Rory and he turned back the clock for two rounds and was fantastic. Uh, but still sprays it a little bit too much for my liking. So, uh, those are the guys that I'm not as high on. Ustazen, again, it's hard for me to play because of the constant risk with him, but he is in the first group off tomorrow. I think, uh, that's fine. If you're looking to make morning stacks, uh, Varner, I put in my GPP article, but he's probably going to be removed in the update um, because, he, you know, he's risky. Uh, I'd rather swap him to somebody with a morning tea time like Keegan or even yeah. Straka if you're in that range. Uh, I think I like them a little bit more than Varner now uh, because of that, uh, that tea time. So, um, you know, the, the guys I definitely wouldn't play in that range, Willett and Phil, but uh, the other guys I think you can make a case for if you want to. Agreed. We're actually on the same page here. You know, Varner wasn't for me. So if, if you had him in your article, I just didn't get to see that yet. I apologize. But I think for Varner, the big thing is not just the afternoon tea time, but we just haven't seen like last week didn't show up again. Anytime he seems to show up, it's not for enough rounds. And at this price with, like you said, Keegan, you got Louis Ustazen right there in strong field who I like, and, and I'll ignore that one back nine that he had last week. Like you say, gets that early tea time, gets out there, not big on Phil putting it together for four rounds. Not big on Willett. Uh, I get that he has the morning tea time. If you want to include him, there's a lot of buzz around him right now. I just kind of kept the tea times up. I'll go back over and check ownership on him real quick. It looks like nothing. So, again, these guys are still nothing range. But the big thing for him is that, if, uh, back to my conversation piece earlier with Reevy, 
is if you want to get him. I mean, he's 7,000 on DraftKings. Give him a whirl over there and take your shots. But over here, there's just too many guys around him. Uh, and we're starting to get down there. We're down to like 56. Moving along a little faster pace here. I don't think, uh, you know, if this is the week that Scheffler decides to show up and burn everyone after he already has every other week, so be it. I'm not big on that. Not big on Champ. Not big on Wolf. It's just a tougher track for that sort of stuff. You know, interesting ones, Corey Connors and Doc Redman. So before we talk about the rest of this range, talk to me about these two ball strikers in Doc Redman and Corey Connors. Coming from the younger class, you know, they can definitely shown to be able to get it done. Corey Connors has even shown to get it done in the wind at, of course, you know, Valero Texas Open off a Monday Q win uh, to get in and then win the tournament. But talk to me about those two first, and then, you, you know, maybe even add Benny Ann in there as another ball striker that is a little bit polarizing as well. Yeah, they're all uh, probably at an over-under of about four and a half, three putts. Uh, so, you know, because their greens are going to be running a little bit faster. Benny Ann does have a good track record putting here. And, you know, we talked about this on the GPP show. If you want a longer take, you can go back and watch it. But uh, Benny Ann was terrible last Thursday, minus three and a half strokes putting, whatever the case was. He had a typical Benny on round and he was plus four and nobody thought he had a chance to make the cut. Well, he shoots six under his first nine holes on Friday uh, before that rain delay hits. And then that kind of slowed his momentum, ended up a couple shots short of the cut line. But none of the guys are good short game players. Benny on, Doc Redman, Corey Connors. They're all below average on and around the greens. Um, so I'll take Benny on. He's a guy that has some, some history here. Um, you know, he's kind of owning his struggles a little bit on social media. I don't think he's pressing, uh, at all. I like that Friday round that he had last week. Meanwhile, Connors, you know, he struggled on the weekend, uh, 65th, I think here at this tournament last year. And I mean, his putting and around the green numbers, he's like 190th or worst in both. So, um, you know, I, I think all three are very similar players. I think you got some upside with all three of them, but I'm probably going to limit my pool to one of the three. And obviously with my, my mark there and uh, my conviction plays are, are GPP focused since I'm doing the GPP article. Uh, Benny on's the guy I really like for tournaments that, uh, you know, people are starting to finally come off. I haven't played him yet since the restart. So he hasn't burned me. Uh, and now this week when he's down to five, six, 7%, uh, I'll buy in a little bit. Yeah, I like that. And also, too, if you look at the tee times, he happens to be right in your wheelhouse for that as well. So, First group, uh, like yeah. you said, the the other guys are just so tough to get on board in this price range. You know what I mean? Redmond here is basically, you know, with with Benny on, with Harris English, Sabatini, all guys that just have, in my opinion, you know, better long term. This is a tough course. Uh, I haven't seen much out of Kisner lately. We'll go back here quick. Uh, any, any love for Bubba or Lowry? Bubba, Lowry, Sabatini, English? Anyone in there stand out? Um, you know, English worries me coming off of the COVID test. He's got an afternoon tea time. Uh, they, they all do except Bubba. Uh, Bubba was really bad again last week. I, I don't think I have any of those four guys in my player pool, to be honest. Um, I think you could play, I mean, you could play Rory, you could play Lowry. Uh, Lowry tends to play well at tougher courses. Uh, he's in the featured groups this week, you know, uh, coming off his, uh, his open championship win a year ago around this time. I think you mentioned that on our full week yeah. show. Um, and then Sabatini, you know, he's generally pretty consistent, played pretty well last week. Those two guys, I think you could keep in your player pool if you wanted to. Uh, I don't think you have to. So no, that comes I, down I was with you on the other two, cause we talked about the COVID crusaders last week and all the missed the cut in the, in the group that they put them together. So I'm getting rid of English for that reason, hopped off of, uh, the other there. And then I'm with you on this, but I really don't even care about Lowry. It's good for him being in the future group. It's a year removed. We talked last night on the show. He hasn't really done anything since. The one thing I like about Sabatini, forget the afternoon tea time is what it is. But man, he had a lot. He had two eagles on the first day. I'm not expecting that. But the amount of times he set himself up for these opportunities, which are scoring opportunities, and he can grind. He can make a cut. He's play, he plays well at tougher courses long term. So if, if you go with that, I'm fine with just having him in there as the, as the one-off. You know, we've got Hadwin, you know, Noto, and myself are both on Hadwin. I think he's a fine play. He's still priced correctly. Uh, you know, Streelman is interesting. He's getting a lot of talk on both sites. People are talking about Streelman. Do you do you like Streelman this week, or do you have any thoughts on him at 9.3? Because I personally like Poulter better, even though I know Poulter was all putter. It's before he wasn't all putter in his last four or five events that he's played, or, or the three since coming back, and he's still done very well. So I, I always like Poulter in these types of fields more than these guys. But do you do you have anything on Streelman that you like? Well, if we take it uh, four rounds, Poulter gained 10.5 strokes putting last week. It was huge. Yeah. Uh, but, 
but Streelman gained 9.5 strokes putting. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it was all the putter with him too. And um, let's see, Poulter finished a shot better and gained one more stroke than, than Streelman did putting. So uh, in, in essence, they were, you know, very similar, uh, similar golfers last week. Um, actually, that was the wrong column. Sorry. Poulter was eight strokes putting. Uh, Streelman was about five strokes putting. Anyway, I thought those numbers were a little bit too high. But yeah, they both had good putting weeks. And Streelman, he, he had two really good rounds. They were both incredible putting rounds. And he had two underwhelming rounds because he didn't make the putts in those rounds. And he's like the – Streelman is the best putter of all time on this course. I forget. I saw the numbers last week before last week. And it's like, well, you got to fade that because that's not sustainable clearly he likes it here he likes the greens here so there is something to the fact that streelman uh has done well putting on this course but i just think he's over owned and you know the price is fine but i mean a chalky kevin streelman for a second week in a row when his top 10 was buoyed by the putter again last week i just think one of these weeks he's gonna have a neutral you know or maybe only gain one or two strokes putting and he's gonna finish 40th i mean i don't think he's gonna miss the cut by any means but Give me some other guys with some upside if 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 yeah, is going to be owned in, in the double digits. He is, and that's what I'm with you here. Look at this: 12.4 percent is the projected ownership. You got Poulter at half that. If yeah, you look I at everything I like else, Poulter a lot. I, I don't like. Yeah, uh, I'm off Streelman. You look at the numbers here; it was all up from there. I mean, we're down to 46. We're getting through these ranges here. Uh, I know Spieth wasn't for you. Uh, he's you, definitely. You ready? You ready? For, you ready for this? Spieth is Spieth plays in the morning on Thursday, and for the first time in a long time, well, here I, we go. I considered it. He's not in my player pool, and he probably won't be. But for the first Jeez. time in a long time, I considered it. Um, probably not on Fanduel, but DraftKings. I think the price works a little bit better. You know, he's uh, he's in the same range, I and mean, he's barely he's a little below your average price per golfer, no matter what site. But uh, Fanduel has other guys in that range, like Fitzpatrick and and Casey. Uh, that I think fit better there. So anyway, I and I said this on Tuesday as well. I, I'm not going to argue with the folks playing Spieth this week. I think uh, he's finally priced where he should be. Um, so I, I don't think it's as crazy as it is with the people that played him last week. Yeah, and I don't mind. And a 5% ownership, you, I mean, like if, if you're talking, you know, when you're building your 75 or 100, just anything goes lineups like what we're doing here with our pool, you could max them and say, give me double the field. Or sorry, you could, sorry, minimum at 10% and then you could even max him at, you know, 10 to 15 and just say, look, I want double the field on speed, but I don't want any more than three times. And I still want to keep them in only 15% of my laps. Just another way to use that feature that we touched on earlier. So then what do we do here? This is another area that I do struggle cards is with going through here. Like, you know, now you got Horschel, Leishman, M, Fitzpatrick, Casey, and they're all sort of at that same price point. They still, because of that stars and scrubs mode that we talked about, don't have a bunch of ownership. But I mean, this week I do like personally, the cream at the, you know, the cream of the crop at the top are the guys that normally rise, as you know. So I don't mind that. We had enough guys down below. We still limited our value plays. What's your, you know, thoughts in here? And do you just start exiting guys like crazy or what's your opinion on down in this range? No, I mean, I don't think exiting guys like crazy is the move. I mean, you got to start, you got to start uh, removing some of these guys. So Sungjae, uh, great talent and just hasn't really clicked, especially on the weekends, the last few weeks. Uh, Leishman, Good form leading into last week was really popular last week uh, and then missed the cut. I think you pick one of those two guys. I don't think you play both Leishman and him. I think you keep one of the two in your player pool. I would lean towards Leishman. That's what I'm doing. Uh, I like that Leishman yeah. bounce back. And he looked so good before coming in. His tee to green, his approach numbers, everything is just a bad week. And, you know, like you joked about last time, maybe he was just getting ready for Memorial and aiming at the Memorial pins to really pump himself up for this <laughs> week and get that win. But, uh, you know, we'll leave him in. Uh, Horschel and Speed. I guess the choice is for me. I understand why you play Horschel. I actually think he's a great play. But for me, I, I like Speed a little bit more. And I do want to get a little tighter with my pool. So I'll get rid of him. I like Casey a lot more. Then Fitzpatrick, I know there's the ownership there, but it's not enough ownership for me to say, okay, I can't really go with that. If you look at everything else, he just really does pop. Um, you have any Fitzpatrick or Garcia takes sitting there right around Casey? Yeah, I like, I mean, I think they're fine. Um, no strong takes one way or the other. I, I don't mind um, uh, Neiman. His ownership is maybe a little higher than, uh, than I would have thought, but uh, he ended up coming in under our numbers a little bit last week too. So um, 
I'll have to I'll have to joke with Trey. I don't know if he's got a maybe he's got a little Neiman bias in him. I don't he know. must. It's the same thing last week when we were off. He did adjust it quite a bit as the week went on. Shout out to Trey. That was awesome to see. But I'll give it another little bump down here. That's something else you guys can do. Just another noted feature that you just brought up there, cards, is that if you do think something's off with ownership, and we're gonna get to constraints here in a minute, but you know, you can set that up a little bit different if you feel that's the need. Uh, for me. Casey, Garcia, Neiman, Kucher. I'm kind of in on all these guys. I'm not as big on Fitzpatrick. I'm certainly not as big on Day. Uh, only other guy I'll discuss in this range with you, the big one, I guess, is, you know, Rose in a second here, if we can even do that. But Finau, did you watch any of the event today? You know, he was just striping it. He looked good out there. He's not really getting a lot of love this week versus normally he does. Uh, what's your take on Tony Finau? On, we're talking FanDuel, but just on both sides. He's only 8.3K on DraftKings as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I like him quite a bit. Um, so I'll be overweight on Finau for sure. Uh, he does tee off in the afternoon, but uh, uh, would certainly play him before I played Rose, uh, chuckling at the 3% ownership on Rose. That's 3%, yeah. 3% too high for me. Um, he is affordable on FanDuel Roses. If you're going to play him, FanDuel is the spot to play him. He's below your average salary per golfer. So, uh, but I'm, I mean, I'm still, I'm not. Uh, answer should not be that cheap. So, I mean, he's chalk that I would probably eat on FanDuel a little bit. Um, I'm just setting some things up here because one thing that stands out to me is what you just said. And, I, and we talk about it a little bit week to week and not everybody gets to see those shows, but I think it's important that, you know, they hear this and, and hop on those shows and get on with core premium and, and join to see what we're talking about is, you know, we talked about this last week with Roy Sabatini. If you're going to play him at 8,800, you got to play him at 74. And then he goes out and has a pretty great week. Everyone was playing Rose at 10.8 last week. I know he disappeared into the abyss, and that's one thing. But this price difference is quite the gap versus what we see. So, uh, you know, I could put like a 5 to 15 and just see how it shakes out. I know it's probably not ideal, but we're not really on much else here. I also might put a cap on answer at 9 point, you know, because he's the same price, but he's almost 20% owned. Like you said, the price is really cheap. He's 8,500 on DraftKings. It's a little bit different here and there, but, you know, Seems really good this week. So I want to have, I want him to get in there. He's going to get in there, but I really don't want to go for me overweight. Uh, and then we hop into the 10K range. I think we got a couple more guys we could get rid of here. Uh, anybody stand out from 10K to 10.9K that you absolutely don't like that we can just take out and move this along? Um, oh, Tiger. No, I'm just kidding. No, not, don't do that. I mean, not really. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm always the guy that gets read wrong. So I'm not going to tell anybody to play him or not because he's going to do the opposite of, uh, of, you know, what I say, what I, if I think he's going to do good, he, he always thinks, uh, Fowler, I was on earlier. I have come off of him. He plays in the afternoon and the form just isn't very good. Uh, yeah. so Fowler is out of my GPP pool now, like completely. So it's, you know, whether that's for the better or not, uh, again, I'm good with that one for sure. I think he's just, a. a outclassed by some of the others um and then i mean i'm probably xing out one of reed burger uh brooks you know whoever you or tiger obviously whoever you like the least out of that group yeah. i think you got to get rid of one guy or one or, or even two in there uh, i'm out on reed with you i don't know if it's just the same thing like you said it's hard to get them right but it's more in this case it's more the price i, I do like I, here's the deal. I'd rather take a little bit of a chance on Rose with that massive price drop from last week being 10.8K and way up here with, you know, where Xander and Matsuyama are now priced, dropping down. And he's a pretty good pivot off of answer. So I may set that up as a rule that I only take one or the other so that all those optimal lineups that this thing spits out that would have taken answer, now that's where I get my small share of Rose. And if somehow Rose bounces back and does that magical thing that we see all the time where the guy comes back the next week and just shows up, and let's say answer doesn't at a heavy chalk price, that's a, an interesting move. So I'll make note of that. You can do it as you go along. Maybe I'll do that quickly here just to make a note. So for those of you that don't follow and, and use this tool, you go to player groups, you set it up, and you don't have to do this. They can definitely go together in a balanced build. I'm just saying for me, because I've seen the answer chalk there and I want to be a little bit more aggressive with my pool, I'm just saying answer, rows in a group. Don't have to name it. It can be group one. Players to use, zero to one. That forces it so it's at most one player. And then when we build later on, they're not going to get put into the same lineup. And essentially anywhere that answer would have got put, it's now going to put Rose in there. So uh, we've got 40 guys here, Justin. I think that's probably good. Where, where do you go next from this standpoint? 40 guys is decent, right? It's hard to get down to that as we've seen, but now we've got a plan. We've got 40 guys. Let's hop over to the build rules. What, what's your next steps when you're building on FanDuel? Anything specific here? 
well, let's go back, go back to the pool for just a second. So okay. in order for things to be balanced in a quick glance, uh, you would ideally have 20 players that are above your average salary and 20 players that are below your average salary if you've got 40 players in your pool. Uh, and right. the average salary for FanDuel is pretty easy to eyeball because it's 10K. So how many 10K plus guys do we have here? About so eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Yeah. And then if you count the two 9.9K guys, because they're right there, it's yeah. 16 and 9.8. So um, you're still probably going to have maybe one or two too many value plays if you're using a pool of that size. I think you could go back through, you know, maybe those uh, punt options and get rid of one. Um, or I guess if you got a few guys you're only using 5% of, then that'll take care of itself too. But uh, otherwise, I think that the pool is okay. I don't think it's going to be too yeah, lopsided. I think that you just nailed it there with those five percenters. We'll see what it does. I guess that's, you know, you're yeah. right. And, and that's a great point out to, you know, for someone using it for the first time. That's a, you know, higher, just not really higher level, but just the fact yeah. to think of it that way. Well, if that's how you get your balanced builds, where if you look, you'll have guys perfectly spread across the board. We're doing a little more high low here with some 5% guys in there. So I don't mind it. And then we'll see what it comes out to well, here. And usually what people will have a problem with, uh, usually people will do this in reverse and they'll have too many expensive guys because they'll play all the, they want to play all the studs and they don't have enough value guys in there. And right. then they wonder why it won't build them lineups at the percentages they want. Well, it's just math. If you've got, if you've got far too many expensive players and you don't have a lot of value guys in there, it has to put all the value guys in it like 50 or 60% because that's the only way you can make lineups that work within the salary cap. So uh, just a way to know that you've got a, a player pool that's reasonable. If you're getting output in lineups that you don't like, uh, it's probably because the salary cap doesn't work in your, in your pool. So uh, yeah. that's the, uh, the main, uh, the main gist of that. So, and we've got, we've got Rose, Spieth, Hautong Lee, and then capping answer. So that, I mean, it's kind of like 36 with a little bit of every other guy. So uh, of those four guys. So, uh, going to the build settings here quickly, what's the, uh, you know, ideal setup here for you, if I'm going to build a hundred lineups, because for me, let's just say I was saving those other 50. We talked about how to do it at the beginning, but I, for me, these hundred that I don't care about tea times or anything, What's the ideal setup here for you to get a hundred lineups out of this, this pool that we've just built? Um, so I usually alter the range of outcomes to like 50 or 60% because otherwise it's going to go, you know, really heavy on our projections and it's going to skew the percentages. Okay. Obviously you choose the number of lineups that you want to make. Um, so you're going to plop that there. Um, yeah. I usually set the unique players at two or three. Um, you could even do four if you, you know, if you got a lot of players in the four does not work for me with a narrow pool. You can't, uh, you can't get enough lineups with four unique players, but two is fine. Uh, I just don't like using one because then you get, end up getting quite a few lineups that just have one player different uh, and you don't have a lot of differentiation there. So right. uh, max exposure is just an easy way to set a max on any specific golfer. So if you don't want to own anybody over 50, 60, 70, whatever percentage you can use that. And then uh, I usually set my salary slider. I don't mind leaving like 900 bucks on the table. So I usually set the salary slider on FanDuel from 59.1 to 60. So, um, you know, if you, a lot of people don't like to leave 900 on the table. So if you want to set it at 59.3 or 59.5 or whatever, uh, you can go ahead and do that. But I don't mind. Yes. Yeah, so, no, I like that. So I was just going to say a couple of things that, that I like there. So one for me, uh, as far as the max exposure goes, the other ones you you basically nailed. So the range of outcomes, like I said, let's get it large because we don't want to just rely on projections. That'll make a lot of similar or duplicated lineups. That's the first starting point uh, to other people using this tool I'm talking about. The number of lineups to produce, we know it's 100, so that's easy. Number of uniques, you told me this last time, and I kind of liked what you said. So again, for people just as a first timer seeing the show, you know, when we've got a tighter pool, you can tend to go with two, like you said, and you'll still get more mix of what that tight pool is versus if you have an extended pool, then you might want to get some more uniques out the other way. And then for my max cap ownership, I showed you guys this earlier, but the, the highest guy of Bryson is only, I say only, but I mean, seven out of 10 lineups are without him. I'm fine with 60%. I'm not you know, going to lock anybody here for myself. I think that if I end up getting 60% Bryson, if, if that's the way it shakes out, let's just use an example, probably not the highest price, but just to give you an example, I'd still be okay with it just being double the field, but I'm not really trying to get more aggressive than that. And this is why you can see it can get very difficult when you're building 150 lineups. If you don't know all these items or you haven't had a lot of experience with this, 
because that's where it changes. If you go 100%, you may be 100% on the right guy, and that would propel you to a lot of potential high finishes. If you're a little bit more risk adverse, you might go to 40%, and then you'll have a little bit more spread out across the board, and you may not get enough of the person that you need that ends up going off and winning the tournament. I'm good for this video with 60. Lastly, Justin, anything you're doing with the min-max ownership here, uh, assuming a couple things. One, it's an extremely large field GPP. You know, in this case, we're having a lot of people entering 150. So is there anything that you normally do with this and anything you would change based on the field size? Um, not really. I mean, I usually set my max at like 70 um, okay. for total lineup ownership. Then that way you're not getting, you're not going to get a whole lot of lineups that have answer and Bryson and maybe 80 for FanDuel. Um, I forget FanDuel's the, the top guys are higher owned by about 10% compared to DK. So maybe 80. Uh, I wouldn't mess with the minimum. I mean, that's fine. And, yeah. uh, you know, that's, uh, that's about what uh, mine would look like. Okay, and that's good. And then lastly, the only other thing, I, I hit on it quickly, but we don't need to go too in-depth. I, I created the one group for my – this is my preference. Like I said, you can absolutely play those two together. And to your point, you know, balance builds on FanDuel make for some unique lineups. So maybe you turn this rule off, which you can either delete this or just unclick where it says enabled. If you guys want to do, you know, 80 lineups with this rule – and then 20 without and see if they end up getting together or locking the two of them and picking your five favorite. There's so many things you can do with this tool. And that's what we were trying to show off here today. But any other rules that stand out to you, Justin, as far as, you know, that you use commonly, or do you just say, let the system do the work after you've set the build rules? It's totally up to you. Yeah. I mean, some people will use groups to do the tea time stacks. Um, I prefer to just set my pools, how we talked about at the beginning of the show. You put yeah. your morning guys in there, you build 10 lineups or what have you put your afternoon guys in there, build your lineups and you put them all together and you do three separate builds. So you can use the groups function uh, the same way if you want to. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just my preferred method. It, it accomplishes the same purpose. So if you want to use groups to do that, you can. Um, yeah. The only other one that stands out to me that I've seen some do, and again, there's no merit to this. It's, you know, to each their own. We've already got the max constraint set up on 80, but I have seen where people may take like Bryson, Cantley, and Thomas and say at most two, because they're projecting to be the highest owned. If you get those three in together, it is possible with an 80% cap, 60, 70. It's not anymore. I just had to do my mental math. I apologize. But sometimes you'll see it where if we had a, you know, a, a 100% cap, it could still put the three highest owned guys in and then just give you a bunch of 0.1% punts. And maybe you don't want that. So it's just another way of thinking. It's more common on something like DraftKings where we don't see the ownerships get up this high. Hence, my, my mental math was off there. I've got the accountant done with me. So on tax day, as I, as I understand. So I should be a little sharper with my numbers. I do apologize. But we've got it set up here pretty good right now to be able to build out. So I'm just going to click build, uh, make a couple quick notes, and we'll get out of here. I'll see if you have any final thoughts. But, um, you know, here's what we get. So, you know, it's telling you right here who you're getting, what percentage you're getting of them, the top here where it says all positions 38 is how many guys are in your pool. So we actually didn't even end up getting the 40. And I believe um, you can go back and see that. But for right now, just for the purpose of this, the max it's giving me is actually 38. So this is probably the way, like you've mentioned, how you set up. You still get a lot of everybody. But if you look down here, like Leishman, Usti, Sink, Steel, it didn't really love those guys. So what, yeah, what's your thoughts there? So part of that is that it's relying on the projections a little bit. Um, because you have that slider set to like 60. Uh, if you set that to 70 or 80, it will give you a little bit more variation in the lineups. I know our projections like Poulter a lot. Uh, so that's why it's going to give you the most of him. Uh, and it might still try, try it at 75. Just run it again. Let's see what it gives you for the, the top guy. Um, I truly don't know exactly what it's going to spit out here, but I would imagine it, yeah, it's going to spit out less Poulter than it did before because it's, it's adding more variation into the pool. And now, um, did it use all 40 this time? See if it's uh, still at the 30. It did so use it all 40 at least, though, so, and that's where part of that comes from. Yep. So where you, what you have to do, though, is you have to set some minimums on You know, the value guys, you've got them in there for a reason. Um, so, you, you know, you want to set some minimums in, in on Tiger, too. I mean, you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rely a lot more on the projections until you start setting some min-maxes in there. I mean, not that people have to do this, but just put like put a minimum 40 on Tiger and just just to show that the builder will do it there. Now you don't have to change anything. And this else. is just to show people how you got it working too. And then you just yeah, click yeah, build it, 100 here and it'll, it'll re-spit them out for you. And you can just keep doing this until we get to that. Yeah, so Tiger's going to be your highest owned. 
Um, he's still a little bit under the 40, which is fine. I mean, until we still you tweak, got 40 in the pool. Yep. And, and so until you tweak them all, um, you know, it's, it, it's going to be a little bit off. So um, yeah. you almost have to set those mins and maxes on most players and you don't have to use a narrow range. You can use a wide, I mean, you can use minimum of 10, maximum of 25 if you want to, um, or you can keep moving that slider. I mean, you can move that slider all the way to the right if you want a lot more randomness uh, in your, in your lineup build. So um, yeah. You know, it put rows right in the middle of your five to fifteen. Um, it's going to have a lot of players below your 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 minimum until you start um, putting that in on on all the other golfers. So yeah, um, and I'm good. I'm good with this. I think one thing to note just for everybody, so you know, in the spirit of time too. But you know, this is if you look at it really, eight percent and above is pretty solid, right? Out of a hundred, like kind of ten or up would be nice. But let's just say eight's the number. There's five guys that you're not getting a lot of, but if you look at them, you know, it's Duncan, Sink, and Tong that we just kind of threw in there. One's a value play that we don't really necessarily need by the looks of things. One's the Dan Bach play of the week. And then Tyler Duncan, who, you know, TJ liked and you and I talked a minute on, but you still have six and seven. They're right there. So you can play around with this and keep changing these things to Card's point. Uh, two more things I want to show and get out of here. These are just quick. If you guys are settled on a pool and you've got this, all you're doing is clicking export lineups to CSV. It will then download them. You can copy and paste them across to the FanDuel fi file that you download, which will have, you know, empty slots if you just reserve them or will have the same dummy lineup if you put that in there a bunch of you know, times. We can maybe go through that on a different show, but I think that's one thing. And then the last thing I want to show quickly, we mentioned it earlier, but just the tea time thing, uh, and you made a good point on it, is that you kind of like that, is two things. For the group thing, no need, because now I'll just go include all. I'm, I'm basically getting rid of everything we just did I just brought everyone back into the pool. I'm going to double click this just to make sure I'm on. I'm literally just going to X out like this as fast as possible to get down to those tee times. And we're almost there and we get that done. And then that's just the idea behind it is now boom. I, I've now got the 65 guys that are in that wave. You can sort of maybe, you know, change your rules up if you want. But for me, I think you, you stick pretty close to the vest with that. It's going to disable this group because this group doesn't even make sense anymore with Rose being in the afternoon, but it's up to you. I mean, I like, I'm OCD a little bit. I'll just get rid of it completely. There's nothing else I really care about here. I'm going to go back and change it because I want 40 of these AM lineups. I want, you know, still some high ranges, but I'll go a little tighter because I want some of the better plays in the morning. I want to get a mixture of them, but we'll go with that. Keep the two uniques, keep the max here, everything the same and build 40 and then just see what it gives me. And this is, you know, kind of interesting because cards, it gives us 38, which is sort of in your 35, 30 wheelhouse of guys. And look how many are actually that low at the end. So you could also just do this. I believe this works. I've tried this the last few times. Uh, and then just rebuild. And then boom, I'm down to 32. I've got a pretty fair share of most. Again, then you can mess with these guys and put them in and keep changing them around. But the idea is simply let, let the system do it for you a little bit. And then you can peruse the lineups, right? Look through some of them, see what you think. Uh, the last thing before I leave you with final thoughts cards is if you guys do like a lineup and you want to do it this way, there's a little heart in the top right corner where you can save the lineup and it will take it out of this. So let's say in build four, you said, well, man, I really like this lineup here at the top, my, my highest projected. Even though I'm in build five working, if you go to saved lineups now, that lineup has moved over into your saved lineup. So you can also export from your saved lineups filter and do that. So it's a lot. It's a long window. We're about an hour now, I think. So it's time to wrap it up. Any final thoughts overall on lineup HQ cards or anything more on the memorial in general as a whole? Yeah. And one final thought there, you can also edit those saved lineups if you're working with them afterwards and you realize your exposures are, uh, that's a recent ad a uh, little fix that we threw in there. You used to not be able to edit those saved lineups if they weren't still part of a build and you can do that now. So um, definitely use that saved lineups feature. That way you don't have to do three different, like if you're building AM and then PM and then mixed lineups, you can save them all and export them as one. You don't have to export three separate CSV files. So save all was right here. Yeah, good point cards yep. save all. Those would automatically push those uh, 40 lineups that I had over there and still keep the one that I moved across or across. But if I had, I had build one in there, and did the same thing, you'll see now that it jumps to 141. 
And then to Card's point, you can jump around within. So great, great point to bring up in the end there. And you can clear if you totally screw that up. There's a clear save lineups button in the middle there, so you can uh, can clear them and then uh, and start over. So, um, yeah, that's it. Should be a really fun tournament. Uh, Will be interesting to see if there's an edge with the weather and if there's any storms tomorrow, and uh, see who comes out on top. Yeah, thank you guys all for tuning in. Another happy 10 years to Roto Grinders. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'll be back, you know, Wednesday next week with the same show. Just be behind back under the premium course. So if you guys liked what you saw, hop on board with us. You know, cards myself, Noto on the Tuesday show. Do a lineup review show on Monday. There's a bunch of great content, ownership projections, everything in the back end that you can utilize to build yourself some better lineups with some great upside for a chance of taking down these GPPs. Make sure you get in that $5,000 free roll on FanDuel that we just went through so you can get your 150 lineups in and take a shot at some money, some prizes, some t-shirts. And thank you all and good luck this week.